Hello, welcome to Collective Bargain, the labor-focused show brought to you by the Heartland Pod. My name is Glenn Coggy Jr. I'm a union member, policy activist, and have run my own labor-centered blog, Laborfront. Learn more about me at laborfront.com and more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Thanks for taking time to join me. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, it's Glenn from Laborfront. On this week's edition of Collective Bargain on the Heartland Pod, we'll be interviewing tobacco farmer turned marijuana farmer Robert Huffman. Robert resides in Colorado and is attempting to organize a union on the marijuana farms where he's working. Listen in and hear him explain how it's going. Hey, it's Glenn from Laborfront. On this week's edition of the Heartland Pods Collective Bargain, we'll be interviewing Robert Huffman with the Livewell Coalition. Robert is a farmer, and we're going to let him jump right into it here. Uh, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, folks. Uh, my name is Robert. I live in Denver, and I am the former leader of the Livewell Coalition of Employees. And Mr. Glenn today has welcomed me on his show, and he's going to be asking me a little bit about my experiences as a farmer. Well, the first question I have is, what is the Livewell Coalition? Uh, so to put it in layman's terms, it is, uh, well, was several farms uh, grouped together and uh, several dispensaries, and inside of them were multiple departments. And what we did was we selected a leader from every single department and dispensary, and we put them on a collective bargaining unit. And then from there, we selected uh, a centralized leader. And at the time was a former person, 15 year or 10 year employee. And when he was let go, I was voted in as the president, well, leading uh, president of our then uh, growing unit. I see. And what got you into farming? Uh, my greatest grandfather, well, greatest greatest grandfather was a farmer during the world wars and uh believe it or not he was actually uh did a little bit of both a little bit of taboo farming of course but uh he was a uh, grain farmer and uh he taught my greatest grandfather my greatest grandfather taught him uh my grandpa and my grandpa passed it on to my pops my pops taught me and uh they taught me a lot about dirt a lot about uh, photosynthesis the fun stuff and uh it's just i have a passion for plants I see. And when you say that he was into some of the uh, fun stuff, um, could you be a little more clear on what that meant? My greatest grandfather got the uh, British and American soldiers stoned because he felt that like they were stressing out too much over at, during war. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Fun fact. Fun so fact. He knew, the, he, knew the, he knew the benefits of 420 before most anybody else. Before there was even a 420 industry, absolutely. Right. And now you're in Colorado. What took you to Colorado? And let's get into that Livewell Coalition a little bit more, because okay. in our previous conversations, um, you said that that was about uh, 420 and the marijuana, growing crops right. and marijuana. So tell us how you got into that. Okay, so I actually, uh, when I graduated high school in Tennessee, you know, most Southern people, they don't want to stay in their small town. As soon as I walked across the stage, I walked out that door, I hopped on a Greyhound bus, and I took myself to Denver. 
and everyone was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm in Denver. So I kind of just uprooted myself as soon as I graduated high school. And my original intent, I was actually uh, with a bunch of advocates and we were running around pressing for, uh, ended up actually having to go to San Diego for a while, but we were running around with little signs saying, help the hippies. And, um, and I think I was what, 17 and they were trying to press for, uh, was it remember when it was just medical cards and then plants and whatnot? And they were trying to plus for like EPC. It was a whole thing, but it was like help the hippies. And so my intention was to come out here to learn everything I can about why we were advocating for a legal industry and bringing it back to my home state. I see. And the live well coalition in Colorado is a marijuana farm. Is it a company that raises marijuana? And the live well coalition was your, attempt to start a union. Am I understanding that right? Correct. So, yes. Yeah, so allow me to give you a little bit of history. So I was not the first leader. The coalition of live well employees actually formed in 2018 and um, you can do some Google and it was actually busted in roughly sometime in 2019 prior to the pandemic. And there was only two of all those units. There was only two people left, one being on the Holly farm, one being an IPM and where I worked. And uh, it kind of reignited when uh, one of our African-American friends, uh, and we take racism very seriously, uh, he came to us crying because he felt that when he was on the farm, he could not be himself. And he went around asking folks, what was he, the difference in wages? This man was making $14 an hour. Everyone was making seventeen fifty. And I can't bring any names in, but he ended up quitting in my first beginning as uh, just a representative, not even a leader yet. He ended up quitting and moving himself back to Georgia because he felt so down on our industry. And that really empowered me. It very much upset me. And I think it was really that very discriminant behavior at the very beginning that empowered us five leaders to be like, you know what? My job is worth losing if I can stand up for my friends. And that's a noble effort. And I applaud you for it because it's not easy to make a stand like that. But you did it. And it's financially tough. That's for sure. Right. But that's what solidarity is all about. Now, was your coalition recognized as a union by the by the farms that you were working on? Tell me a little no. bit about that. Okay, so we originally were trying to remain neutral. So we didn't know if we needed a union quite yet. It wasn't until about May 2022 when we were like, yes, we absolutely need the Teamsters or the UFCW, someone to come in and interact. But we were originally trying to just form a collective bargaining unit as employees uh, per the CEO at the time said that, if we uh, formed a union, it would be financially distraught for the company. And so we tried to, you know, meet the gap. And so we wanted to just have two employees per department to just say, hey, like, here's what's going on. But um, it wasn't recognized. No, the the only people that truly recognized us was the Teamsters and the UFCW. Right. So, you know, we, we've talked for a little bit before we started the show. And one of the questions or one of the things that you brought up was the lack of proper PPE, personal protective equipment, and how a lot of you all were getting sick. Let's back up just a little bit here. What is your job like? When you would get up in the morning, what was your job like? 
is a grower on a corporate farm? I love that question. So um, I loved my job and it was actually more of a career to me. Uh, I woke up every morning excited. Uh, It was a passion of mine. I got to work around plants and my ambitions were really high coming to Colorado, but uh, no, no pun intended, but I was a Wednesday through Saturday shift. I was 7 a.m. to 5.45 every day, uh, about 6.15 after I cleaned my gear. I had a set structure every Monday and uh, mon- every Wednesday and Thursday. I was scouting for pesticides or for pests to spray pesticides. I was scouting for molds to target. And then on uh, Friday and Saturday, I would be spraying all day. And, um, pretty much I had a two fifteens and a 45. So it's not like you had too much downtime. So I would walk in the door from seven. Well, actually I, our team had to be there at like six forty-five so that we can get dressed out, but you brought up PPEs and that's a good subject because that was actually our biggest complaint as IPM members. And I had, I had documents of complaints because my issue, I was hospitalized myself and when I was hospitalized, they said I was hospitalized due to pesticide exposure. And I was in that hospital for 14 hours on a respirator. And when I came back to work, instead of allowing me to just kind of have an easement, they sent me right back into spraying. And our PPEs, like, and uh, drywall guys, uh, stucco guys, and... Uh, Rainmaker type guys, I all understand the little blue tag uh, white suits. They are not designed to absorb that amount of pesticides. And so what would happen is the seams of our suits would first get soaked and then it would drip into our shirts and our shirts would get soaked. And now we are inside of a suit pretty much contaminated. And what was occurring is uh, the overwhelming uh, pesticide use Soybean oil is really hard on the lungs. It's very thick and a very fine particulate. Neem oil is really hard on the lungs because it cakes and pyrethrins are really hard on the lungs because they engulf. And so we wanted higher grade suits and all they could do for us is tell us to put on two suits. And we wanted full shield respirators. I even went as far as when they were doing our fit test, I paid extra to get a full shield fit test. And I took it to our safety administrator and I said, Hey, I wear glasses. I need a full shield because when I suck it to my face, there is a slight gap right here that is getting into my face. And when I'm spraying stuff that has a 24 hour REI that I have to shower off before interacting with my girlfriend or with my animals or anything, that's dangerous. And so we wanted better quality PPEs, not just higher amounts of PPEs. We wanted better tiered PPEs and uh, they were completely denied from us. They did not upgrade the services. In fact, they got a lesser grade PPE service and they made us wear two instead of uh, just getting us a better suit. Right. So this is an instance where we have corporations that are putting profits over the safety of the employees. Correct. And we, and we say PPE as well because we had an eyewash station that did not work. It had no water hookup and it was painted yellow all bright for you to see, but it had no water hookup. And they had saline bottles that you had to twist cap open and spray your eyeballs with. But my problem is unlike being on a farm, if you get stuff in your eyes, you can saline that all day. But if you get 
pyrethrins in your eyes and you saline and that saline goes into your other eye, you're going blind because now you're mixing, uh, uh, you're pretty much amplifying that inside of your eyeball. And so our biggest issue, we were like, we want a, uh, we have it. There's no reason why it shouldn't work. We want it to where if we were in an emergency and I got zero tall, which turns your skin boils and turns your skin white. If I got zero tall on my face, which has happened twice, accidentally, where do I go? How do I wash off? How do I unexpose myself? And on top of it, if I am blinded, how in the hell am I supposed to find a four inch bottle of saline on a counter that's at the bottom shelf when I'm sitting here trying to fill around? I should be able to see that tall, bright eyewash station that says, hey, shower right here. And those were some of our biggest concerns, not even to mention the other issues. Right. And through all this, I'm sure that you were talking to your coworkers, asking them or gauging their interest in starting a union. Correct. Um, how did that go? Okay, so it actually went really well. We uh, had a 97% ratio inside of the farm. We were ready to vote, Glenn. We were, I'd say our voting date was like roughly estimated to land in sometime in February of 2023. So like it takes time, you know, to organize to, we had to get our union cards. We had to, once we get a union card, we had to get a secondary confirmation to make sure that it wasn't just one person signing cards. And then we had to have three consecutive meetings with, uh, with 15 or more. And we actually brought up uh, over 30 and then one time 50. And then one time we had everyone inside angry, but Basically, it was a huge lead up to it. And then we had to send out a known organizers letter per Colorado guidelines. And then we had to press forward to uh, give the company a chance to do something. And then it's just it all just blew up in our faces from there. Right. Were you receiving any threats from the company that you should stay out of it, that you shouldn't be talking about it? Um, Were you uh, faced? Did you face any discipline over your actions to try to unionize? Yes, I did. Actually, on several cases, I had to go to the head of HR to address discrimination. And one of uh, one of the items I felt violated my own personal rights is I was reporting the discrimination happening to my African-American and Mexican friends on this farm. And they were giving me their written statement and I brought it to HR. I didn't bring the statement. I just brought what was occurring uh, to HR and HR is supposed to be here for us employees and I implored to them, I even showed the, I have, I still have the recordings, Glenn. I showed them documented evidence of the discrimination happening in our workforce. And after I reported these issues to our highest level of HR at Pharmacan, the next day, well, I'd say um, I'm, I ended on Saturday. So it happened on a Sunday. On a Sunday, they logged into my computer and I had to get the head of security to pull the camera footage because they deleted everything they could, but I backed it up. They went into my computer and opened up the file to HR that was labeled confidential. And on that, they printed, they printed the page that showed what managers were active in discrimination. And then they dispersed that to those managers with my name on top. And then what occurred, I, and I ended up reporting the behavior and that, that dude is still in charge. I was, uh, they sent all of my colleagues out of the room. It was just me. They made them all leave, go to lunch 30 minutes early, but I could not. And I was like, okay. So I was just sitting on my computer waiting for my 30 minute, I guess. And then the director, 
the director, I'm not going to say no names, but because he's still the director, the director comes in, corners me, gets right here in my face. I'm six feet. There's still coronavirus. This man gets in my face and tells me he would attack me if we unionized. And I was like, what? And he threatened my physical body if I continued to be a union leader. And the unfortunate thing is I didn't want to come out to the open. And I know we're kind of way jumping ahead, but I was a secret leader. I was because I was the, the main leader. So we wanted me, my spot to remain quiet as possible. We did not want my head to get chopped off while we were in the middle of a vote. But we made contingency plans, of course, but we did not want that to occur. That was not supposed to come out into the open. And when they pulled us all into, and I would love to send you the recording, I can send it to your email so that you can hear it for yourself. I have an hour recording of our CEOs coming through and telling us that we did not deserve contracts of employment, telling us that we did not deserve X, Y, or Z for, uh, for our wages, for fair market wage values. And they told us that uh, if they if we unionized, ultimately, it wouldn't be good on us employees. And then they had managers equally spaced out. I wish I had a video recording, but I don't. They had managers equally spaced out with scripts in their hands. And they were literally just going manager by manager, talking about how terrible the unions were. And I got so fed up, Glenn. I My blood started boiling. I was biting my tongue. I seen two of my leaders looking at me like, Robert, don't do it. But I could not stand it, Glenn. They were sitting there calling my colleagues all types of names and de- demeaning us as if we were not human. And I got so angry that I stepped forward in front of the owner of Livewell, the CEO of Pharmacan, and the CEO of Very Life. And I declared that I was the leader of this organization and that they were lying in front of every single one of these individuals. Because the unfortunate truth is they came through, stopped full production, and started blaring lies and the unfortunate thing is a week prior i recorded me addressing those lies like my colleagues brought it to my attention and i brought this to the director who later uh, uh, attempted to assault me uh i brought it to his attention because i felt that these were sincere issues that my colleagues were experiencing and unfortunately I was what I didn't want to step out, but I exposed myself because I did not have a choice. I felt that if I did not speak up, all of my colleagues were going to continue to be demeaned. And I felt that if I did not speak up, no one would. Right. Well, it seems based on what you're saying here, it's a whole litany of charges with the National Labor Relations Board that they violated. Um, When we talked earlier, you said that you did file reports with the NLRB. What was the outcome of some of these reports? Okay, so uh, some of them are still active, so I'm not allowed to speak on those uh, per confidentiality agreements with the union. But uh, mine, so um, I got mine out. We got mine and my four leaders out of the way because we actually are trying to levy the state government right now to change the Agricultural Bill of Rights to reword it. Because right now it's only a $50 fine for conglomerates guilty of discrimination per the Agricultural Bill of Rights. So we're actually lobbying against that. But that said, if you go on the NLRB, you see open, 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 close, close, closed, etc. So on ours, we filed it roughly February, actually November 2022, we started filing charges that were occurring. We felt that uh, what was going on was wrong and violating our rights. 
And so we um, filed official complaints November 2022. And uh, those were settled roughly April 2023. And then when I, I was terminated in January 2023 and ours settled in August of 2023. And basically, I didn't want a financial value, Glenn. I did not. They they made me take money and it was very upsetting. I wanted an apology and I wanted them to do something about what was occurring because in court, in court, we showed all of this proof and evidence and every single one of us leaders said we did not want a dime. We wanted our jobs. We wanted apologies and we wanted recognition of this union. So if you go on the NLRB, you are going to be very upset because you're going to see the top three conglomerates in the state of Colorado all over it. Right. And I guess it's safe to say that you're no longer employed um, in that industry. Correct. So I tried to find other jobs. I tried to even get my own job back. Um, I tried to apply for a different job within my, that company. Cause I truly did believe in live well, Glenn. Like I truly believed that live well could be a great organization. I truly believed that. And I felt that morally, however, I am not okay with what's going on with my farmers. I am not okay with going on with my trimmers. I am not okay with going on with the janitors. And I just, I felt that if I continued in this industry that I am giving energy to something that I can no longer believe in. And it's unfortunate because I had such a high level of passion, Glenn, that I felt that it got stripped from me. And that's why I've turned my focus now less towards going back into growing and more towards advocating for these growers. That's awesome. Um, It's a shame you've had to go through all that, but I think it's happened for a reason. Right. It says a lot about you that you're still advocating for a union in the growing industry um, yes. the marijuana gro- with the marijuana growers. We need and, it. Uh, what's going on? Is there any movement in that? I know you said earlier that you're working with the Teamsters yes. and the American Federate, I'm sorry, United Food and Commercial Workers, UFCW. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Are they still working to try to get the... Uh, yes, so they're actually working together in a way. Uh, so they've uh, split the... Sorry, my dog always wants to be in my business... Right. Uh, so the UFCW has a specific task and the Teamsters right now has a specific task. So I've been welcomed in on both ends of what's going on. Of course, the two unions don't operate together. It's not how most unions work. But what they are doing together, they are taking all of the information they have gathered over 2021, 2022, 2023 and presenting it to our senators. They're presenting it to our attorney generals on why we need reform. And I've actually had with the UFCW, they secured a uh, then-senator. The She wrote the Agricultural Bill of Rights, Jesse Danielson. She met with us personally, and then I met just actually about a month ago, I met the Attorney General of Colorado, and I've um, the Teamsters Union has been uh, lobbying, per se, on um, why cannabis farmers specifically, farmers, because dispensary work has always been able to unionize, packagers, et cetera, but farmers specifically did not have that right. And so right now they are lobbying actively. Both unions are lobbying the state of Colorado to change the Agricultural Bill of Rights to enforce higher tiered uh, 
higher tiered penalties for discrimination and wrongful terminations. And they are pressing on our local local and state government to do something about all of these listings on the NLRB. Well, man, that's good. I mean, it's good that you've got the help and support of the Teamsters and UFCW. Um, so what is your goal now? What is your long term or what, what direction are you going in as we speak right now? Okay, Glenn. So as the former leader, I have an obligation to my colleagues to help them organize because I accepted this in uh, May last year. And they told me and I told and we said it in front of everybody. If I got fired, I would take everything that occurred to my colleagues and bring it to the public because we were pushing for three legitimate things. First things first is we wanted contracts of employment. In this legalizing industry, right now, we are the most illegitimate workers, the most illegitimate workers. And we felt that the only way our government is going to ever recognize us as legitimate is by standing up and demanding contracts of employment. And then secondly, we believe not just in LiveWell, but across the board, the systemic discrimination against African-Americans, Mexican-Americans, anyone with any type of LGBT uh, plus community background are being heavily disgruntled against. And it's not fair. It's not fair. And the what really pisses me off and it gets my blood boiling is they look at me as a white boy from the South. Excuse my French. I'm not trying to get all ghetto here, but they looked at me as a white boy from the South. And these directors were saying the N-word around me, expecting me to be okay with it. And then when I went off on them, they tried to write me up. And ultimately, like I said, my ultimate goal as the former leader, I have selected two new leaders at LiveWell. I have uh, instructed both of them to remain quiet. I have, unfortunately, the three departments that were unionizing, all of their leaders were targeted and fired, every single one of them. There's only one original leader pre-2022 that still works there. One. We had nine. There was only one. So right now, my goal is to bring public attention because my friends, and I was just off the phone with my my other leader, who's, and I, I'm going to read you his text message when, when we're ready. It is not fair, Glenn. It is not fair that my colleagues should feel that when they go to work, they have to keep their head down and their tails tucked. This industry is so taboo. The knowledge that we have up here has been illegal for 100 years. And you're telling me it's more valuable for me to go make $18 an hour at McDonald's. You see what I'm saying? And so it's my job to bring all of what occurred in 2022 all of what occurred in 2023 to the public. And I will not stop until my ass is on that federal news or on that state news or even in that Denver Capitol with a sign in my hand surrounded by all of my stoner friends addressing the issue that the consumers have a right to know what's inside of their products. And the consumer should know that these farmers were targeted for caring about those products. And you've seen one of my videos, you've seen how passionate I feel about this. And so my ultimate goal here is to re reestablish the leadership of the coalition of live well employees, which is already underway to enforce the value of why we want it. We weren't here to strike. We weren't here to, to sit here and be like, give us $50 an hour. No, we wanted a base pay of 21. We wanted those contracts and we wanted a full evaluation of all of the complaints from 2020 forward. 
That's it. Right. And, and so I would like to call on my fellow community here in Denver to stand up for these farmers because each and every single one of them feel that they cannot stand up. And like I said, I want to read this message that, uh, that my, uh, my colleague just sent me because I told him I was on the phone. He follows you as well. No person, especially in this brand new industry, should feel that they do not have a place. They should not feel that they do not have a say. They should not feel that if they go to work, that they are going to be targeted, manipulated, or fired. They should not feel that way. We should not have to hear a person with a net worth of $3.5 billion try to tell us that we do not deserve legitimate rights of contracts of employment. And then on top of it, like I said, just so I'm not rambling, my ultimate goal here is to ensure that my union busted friends are either get their jobs back, get their careers back. And my friends that not just my friends, my all of my colleagues that experience these levels of discrimination have their say in court. And right now we, we have several folks that are going at it with the UFCW right now. I'm not allowed to speak on, but that is drilling and it is coming. It is going to be a hot year in 2024. Mark my words. But my biggest issue is I want to address publicly the discrimination and publicly the union bust that occurred in 2022. Well, we'll do everything we can to get your message out. Um, you said that you had a text message from one of your other leaders. I do. Why I don't do. you go ahead? Uh, yeah, go ahead and read that now, and then okay. we'll get we'll we'll wrap this up here when you're finished. So this is from my friend. He is the active leader that's been in place since I was uh, let go. And his job is to remain that placeholder until our colleagues can vote and reestablish the um, reestablish the uh, chain of command of our organization. So he's remaining under the radar until uh, until it's time. So reading forward, I told him I was like, hey, I'm about to begin the meeting uh, with uh about to be in the meeting with Glenn and I asked him if there is anything that he feels as the current leader needs to be addressed. And he said, yes. In fact, in 2022, they stopped our entire production of this facility for a whole entire 90 minutes to beg us not to unionize blowing smoke up in each and every single one of our asses. Excuse my French. He said, furthermore, we are not fair market value. And even further, to be considered fair market value makes me feel that my federal, local, and state background tests checks were for nothing. I feel that it would be appropriate to bring to the attention of what is happening here. I feel it's appropriate that, to expect that PharmaCan is going to turn around and continue to hurt the people just like they were willing to do with little risk and big, uh, big rewards in 2022. What he's meaning by little risk, big rewards, he... he He's, he's going at the notion that our little risk, as in if we stand forward, sure, we lose our jobs. But the big risk is if we don't stand forward, we lose our industry. And his words here, this man speaks volume. This man, I swear, is the he is a limelight on our community. He stands forward with absolute integrity and a mindset of this isn't about me. This is about you. And I... But when we voted, when it was over, even the, the leaders that were let go, uh, we asked them to kind of vote here because they still want their jobs back. They still want to come back to this industry. So when Andrew was elected, he said his sole purpose was to ensure that his colleagues got a vote. 
And so his last word to you today, Glenn, he said, Glenn, uh, I, he did say his name, but I'm not going to say his name for uh, protection. I imagine rejoining this badge networks to poke the bear in the name of, I don't know, but I feel that my colleagues are being actively antagonized. It is October. What's what do you say is October 18th. And even today I have, I have my colleagues still coming to me and explaining what is happening in their departments. I see hella PM on this weed. I, I uh, PM as in powdery mildew. I see pest pressures that are still continue to be quoted as going down, but are on a continuous rise. And right now, my colleagues feel that they have no say in their products. They feel that they have no say in who they can be as farmers. And they feel that they have no rights as cannabis workers. And he said, Glenn, if you could please bring to light the issues that are in Colorado. I stand for it today as the current coalition leader of Livewell, requesting public knowledge of what occurred in 2022. And that was my text from my friend. Uh, I've uh, known him for about eight years now. He's been in the industry for about 12 very smart individual. He can tell you anything about weed in any <laughs> any line. Like he probably knows more than Google. And for him, I can feel his emotion in that text. I can feel his drive because he feels beat up. He just watched not one, not two, not three, seven departments get structurally antagonized. He watched his uh, our main department, the uh, research department that had, uh, I think, 17 individuals, all signed, all all soon to be union members, fired. He watched as soon as I was let go the next day, three other, the last three uh, leaders get fired because just before I did, the main two. And then uh, me being the coalition leader being let go and shortly after the last two. And so... He enacted our red plan. We have a we we literally have a plan marked red plan. And the red plan was if our actions fail, he would do everything in his power to ensure the vote of those workers. And we outlined what we wanted. We pretty much outlined what the coalition of employees were, what we wanted, the three things that we wanted, contracts, dressing discrimination, and fair market wages. But now he is wanting to push to the public and I, I believe he is actively considering a strike. And right now, uh, even though we don't really have union support anymore because Pharmacan and Livewell have really shut up, shut us out there, but we have enough folks on these farms and dispensaries to walk out about 95% of the entire Livewell operation. Every single dispensary, every single farm, every single production house has us there, the Coalition of Livewell Employees. And right now, uh, to continue his word, I'm speaking out to every farm out here, man. Glenn, like this, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to get emotional here, but it's something that my greatest grandparents believed in, that they passed down generation to generation, that I had to learn from Broken walls where they had the false wall with weed built inside of it, man, to turn around and see my industry in disarray, to see my home state recognizing the NLRB inside of a legal state, to rec to see the leader of this organization telling me that 10 months after my termination, these issues are still prevalent. So my my word of his issue is... I feel like he's speaking boldly 
I feel like he's not just speaking uh, to me. I feel like he's speaking to everyone. And when when the coalition is successful, he's going to be an amazing president. Well, it sounds like he's got, well, you guys both have a lot going on, and it took a lot of courage for you to stand up and come out and make this public. And I've seen as many, I don't know how many videos of yours that I've watched, but I've watched a lot of them. And you are, you're very passionate about trying to make this right. One of the things that I notice about you, the message from you and your uh, friend, it's not just about the workers. It's not just about the discrimination and wages or the safety. It's about the safety of the public, making sure that um, the mold and the the pest and the, the various chemicals that they're using are not getting mixed in with the marijuana that's being sent out to the dispensaries for commercial sale. And that's something I think needs to be brought to the attention um, through whether it's through whistleblower or what, but the food and drug administration, uh, OSHA for your safety. There's a lot of different federal agencies out there that may be able to offer you some help and, and some protection for making the public aware of some of the things that you have seen going on. As you um, know, look, I get afraid. I'm not trying to cut you off, but I am afraid that like I'm going up against billionaires here. I could get sued. Who knows what could come down the line? I've been in, I've been threatened. I've been antagonized. I've seen my former bosses drive past my house. It's just this is a weird world to live in right now, Glenn, and I will not stand for it another day. And if I have to cut my own throat in the process, I will do it every single time because it, I am ashamed of where we are today as an industry. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, my suggestion would be that you make sure that you reach out to the proper federal agencies. I would not suggest going out on strike without the backing of Correct. Teamsters or the UFCW, whoever you guys are doing the most work with. And we're going to wrap this up because the uh, we've been at it for quite a while. And it's a good yeah. it's a good interview. I've learned a lot. And we I can appreciate do- your time today. Yeah, we can do this again sometime, uh, maybe get an update in a, in a month or so when we see how things are going. Um, but with that said, what I'd really like to make sure that you guys are doing is maybe build a coalition with some of the other farms. Use your influence, your knowledge, and your connections to these other farms. Reach out, talk to the workers at those farms. You know as well as anybody, numbers come in strength. You know, Absolutely. the more people you get involved, the stronger your coalition will be. And the lot it'll be a lot easier to move your legislature to get laws passed that offer protections for the farm workers. I agree. Uh, Glenn, that's a good perspective to think on because I didn't ever think to go to the FDA. We've gone to OSHA. They've submitted complaints, but in a federally illegal system, there's only so much OSHA can do. We've gone to the MED. The MED is in the back pocket of these billionaires. They're never going to do anything. They'll walk inside of these farms, look at mold and be like, okay. We can't go to the, uh, we only have the two unions to go to, but because we were declared union busted, we have to turn around and re resign to try to get backed up by these unions. And the problem is we have to have those cards, but pharma can learn from last, uh, from 2022. And if you are seen with a card or with any form of union material, it's in writing, you will be fired on the spot. There is no talk about it. There's no, Oh, my dog barking at me. There's no run around. There's no, let's do this instead. If you have a union shirt 
a union lanyard. The day I was fired, I had my union shirt. They will fire you on the spot. So the way I see it is the only way that I think our farmers will be successful, even if we have the full support of all of the Colorado unions, we have to call on our public regulators to reform. And to leave this off on the evening, I definitely would like to follow up with you because I am actively pressing on a daily basis. Actually, matter of fact, tomorrow I have a conference call with uh, four of the five leaders across the board tomorrow to try to see what's going on because they've been highlighting some terrible things with me. And that's what's been getting me boiled so much in my videos. The fact that it's been so long and it's still occurring. So to tie down, I really appreciate you, Glenn. I appreciate your content. I know you told me the story of your, your, your kids telling you join TikTok. I am so thankful you joined TikTok because watching your videos empowered me to stand forward and come public. And it empowered me to feel that even if, Uh, This billionaire sees my videos and tries to come after me, which I'm sure could happen. But at the same time, forget them. I'm not worried about them. I'm doing this because I am a true farmer. I love what I do and I would do it over tenfold. And my last leading word on this is if there is any farmer out there that is experiencing these issues, they need to know that it's all it takes is one person, one person standing forward. Then you have two then you have three, then you have an entire mess load of individuals ready to go. And even though at Livewell, we're quiet right now because we don't really have a choice. I don't work there anymore. I plan on being loud as hell, louder than a megahorn in the middle of a stadium. And I will do whatever I can to bring those issues to the public. And if that requires me to Step outside of comfort zones. Absolutely. If you have any tips, please text me on like, I'm going to check on the FDA tomorrow since I have that conference call. And I'm going to go ahead and dive into some aspects and try to see what they think. Cause I've spoke attorney general, spoke with the mayor of, uh, of where the, uh, facilities are located. I've spoke with our local senators, the congressmen. I've spoken with the, uh, uh, several lawmakers. I've spoken with the, uh, uh, OSHA, I've spoken with all these organizations and right now everyone's being pretty quiet about it. The MED won't say anything because financially it's corrupt. They can't. The OSHA can't say anything because honestly, they can't get into these farms. The, the state legislature won't say anything because there's too much money to be made. And these farmers can't say anything because if they do, they lose their only thing that keeps them whole. I found out the hard way that no other farm wanted to hire me because (laughs) they called Livewell and asked them about the, I had to get in writing in court where my employers, if they called to ask, did I work here? They could not say I was uh, fired and they could not go and rub me in the dirt like they were doing. And so I even went as far as possibly considering a restraining order against that manager that I keep seeing drive past my house. So I'm not being paranoid. What I am being, though, is very precautionary because I know I have poked the bear, Glenn. I've poked the bear so hard that that bear has woken up. And if it's up to us to see where that bear goes, because that bear is now awake and running loose and it's doing whatever it wants. And I'm calling on my farmers, on my friends, on the people I don't know to stand forward and believe in something that my greatest grandfather believed in. He was in the World War serving pot the soldiers trying to keep them happy. He taught all of that knowledge to my second greatest grandfather and instructed him to keep it going down the line. And so here I am, a fourth generation farmer in a completely taboo industry, just calling on that public light. So Glenn, 
You're amazing. Don't stop. Even if you get some of the hate on those messages that you see in the comments that you respond to, <laughs> don't stop, man, because you inspired me and I'm hoping that I can inspire the next guy. Well, Robert, I sure appreciate the kind words. Keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Stay at it. Stay busy. Um, be safe. And we'll talk again in the very near future about right what we can about how we can help. Um, awesome, brother. Well, I'm going to keep poking the bear. I'm going to keep uh, shining some light. And uh, like I said, if you see anybody that wants to chat with me, tell them to come forward. I could use some help. <laughs> and they can find you on TikTok at what's your Blowing name? Blowing the whistle 420, man. And, it, you know, it has some some stuff on there that can be a little uh, risky. But, you know, the way I see it is someone has to say it and someone has to stand up for it. Right on. Blowing the whistle 420 on TikTok. Um, and we'll catch up to you in, in the near future. Uh, Thank you so much, Glenn. You, you, you have a blessed evening. Yes, sir. You too. It's Glenn from Labor Front. I'm out. <laughs>